0: The following podcast will contain spoilers and explicit language. Take an eye for an eye,
1: turn your heart into stone, this is all I have lived for, this is all I have now.
0: We gather today to remember those brave Quahog men who were lost at sea. The Bible declares
1: an eye for an eye. So let us now take our vengeance on this murderous ocean. You won't be hurting anyone
0: anymore. My attempts to avoid violence have failed. An eye for an eye only makes the world blind. No, it doesn't. There'll be one guy left with one eye. How's the last blind guy gonna take out the eye of the last guy left who's still
1: got one eye? All that guy has to do is run away and hide behind a bush. Gandhi was wrong. Hello and welcome to another episode of The Other Wrestling Show. My name is Joel, I'm here with Mike, and as always, we're going to give you a rundown of what took place uh, on this week's episode of Dynamite, as well as our thoughts. Uh, Before we get into the action, though, Mike, how are you
0: doing? So, I have decided to get back into lifting and putting things down in public spaces. And I am so, so freaking sore right now everything hurts and i want to die like um i've done 3 days this week you know i finally got over being sick the cough is minimal so i was like okay i can get back to doing this but like i didn't even do that hard of a workout i like i i took all the weight down by like 25% from what i was doing and my arms hurt my 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 back hurts my my boobs hurt like everything hurts and i don't understand why people do this and i hate running so this is my way of trying to get swole or in shape or something so uh if you hear me kind of like wince when i move it's it's pretty much because of that i managed to get up the stairs but i i have not gone back downstairs in a while because stairs are the enemy of leg day and it's my arch nemesis so not as not as good or entertaining as you know george kittle and and the 49ers and stuff but That's that's what's going on right now. That's that's the thing, because every movement hurts and it consumes my every waking moment.
1: Well, here's a pro tip for you. Being sedentary makes it worse. Like when you're sore, you got to stretch it out. Uh, If I'm like coming off a big run, I've just done like 15 or 20 miles or whatever. The worst thing to do is just stay put for the rest of the day. Like you have to force yourself to get up and move around because otherwise you just get stiff and that's no fun at all but i feel you i'm i'm knee deep in this marathon training it's coming up in like 12 days not even 10 days so i'm gonna be feeling the pain after i do the the 26.2 miles on the 15th so yeah
0: nothing about that sounds fun i i i don't i props to you and anyone else who runs marathons but god that just sounds absolutely miserable but maybe someday i'll be a runner you know i've been adding a little bit more running into my cardio routine but that's a lot of miles like i could get to the seaport in boston and back with some miles to spare
1: yeah i mean i I think it's really running in competition that gives you the bug like i hated running it was my least favorite form of exercise until i started doing 5ks and stuff and now i just can't get enough of it like i'm already thinking about what am i going to do next after this marathon because i've put in all this time and effort to train i don't want to just let it go to waste so i gotta set that next goal like what am i doing so maybe it's another marathon maybe i'll get into triathlons i've, I've got some different ideas so we'll see uh, but <clears throat> enough about our our. Enough about our our personal fitness routines. We've got a jam-packed episode. Um, I thought a really solid episode of Dynamite to get to. And also, we'd be remiss if we didn't touch on the groundbreaking mixed tag team match from AEW Dark. So we'll be talking about that as well. Dynamite this week opened with uh, Moxley versus Ortiz kind of getting that one out of the way reminding us of the main feud going on Moxley got the win via pinfall we were followed up with SCU versus best friends. Uh, which was a really fun match, really good tag team action. SCU got the win via pinfall there. And then there was that Dark Order run-in that took place, which I thought was a good follow-up on the threats that they had made to Christopher Daniels. More on that later on. Uh, Next up was Britt Baker and Yuka Sakazaki, which was a really fun match. And uh, Yuka Sakazaki just did a great job of getting Britt Baker over as a brutal heel. And I'm sure we'll be touching on the action that took place after the match uh, on this episode. Uh, Next up was the Elite and Adam Page against the Butcher and the Blade with the Lucha Bros. The Heels coming up victorious on this one uh, via pinfall on the package pile driver combination with a stomp off the top turnbuckle. A pretty great finish there and some really fun developments of the Adam Page, Kenny Omega, Young Bucks storyline that they've been working on. After that, we got a promo segment involving Kenny and Pac and Nyla Rose and Rio, in which Rio was tried to put through a table and uh, bounced off because she weighs like eight pounds. So that segment, uh, it's always more painful when the table doesn't break, so... Uh, Thoughts and prayers for Rio on that one. Uh, We got a pretty cool Darby Allen vignette, which uh, I'm sure we'll we'll touch on later on in more detail. The next match was uh, Kip Sabian versus Joey Janela. Kip Sabian went over via pinfall. Kind of a fun match here. Good character development for Janela, which we've talked about over the last couple of weeks. So nice to see that that's getting a little bit more attention. Then there was a promo segment backstage with the Inner Circle, uh, Santana getting on the mic and just cutting a really compelling promo. So that was really interesting and and fun to see. We hadn't really heard from him previously. And then there was a a Dark Order commercial, as we've come to expect, and uh, continuing their recruitment efforts via just happy, upbeat commercials that close out with all power to the uh, uh, um, Supreme uh, Overlord or whatever. I really enjoy the way they're setting that up. We had a confrontation backstage between Paige and the Young Bucks, uh, kind of suggesting that maybe Paige is an alcoholic. And uh, then we closed out with the most controversial segment of the week, which was Cody receiving his Ten Lashes from
0: MJF. So um that was the action that was this past week. Mike, what stood out to you? So before Dynamite, I the first thing I wanted to talk about would have been the mixed tag match from AEW Dark, but holy shit, the Ten Lashes segment, man. Like Yeah. And and remember, I was very negative about that a few weeks ago. I was like, what's the point? Seems excessive. I, that might've been one of the best segments I've seen in years. I can't remember the last time any wrestling has gotten me to tear up. And when Brandy came down at the end and says, I would do this for you. You have one more. I love you so much. I literally had to just pause for a second because I got goosebumps. I felt it in my chest. Like it was so incredibly emotional and I didn't expect it to be that way. And once you start to see after every couple um, lashes, one of his one of his friends or family coming out, like it just it really started to hit me. And like the whole time, I was like, "Man, what is he?" And you can't fake it. You can't fake it. Which is the thing that I think I love most about this. It's like, yeah, they legit are watching their friend, their brother, their husband just get destroyed by this belt. And yeah, it. It was it was truly, truly remarkable, brutal. I, I remember on maybe the fourth or fifth lash on T V you could see his back and the lash mark grow red in real time. Like Yeah. The camera was amazing and I, I I I'm still kinda reeling from it because I haven't I haven't been affected like that by a wrestling segment in such a long and it's usually when people retire or someone dies, where I'm like, Oh man, that was that that got me, but this was I think that was a truly, truly remarkable segment. And man, I if I I was excited about Cody MGF before, but man, I can't freaking wait because if this is if this is what they're gonna do, if this is what they can make us feel, that that match should should be an all timer.
1: Yeah, there were a lot of things I liked about this segment. I enjoyed the collection of random heels that walked out on stage to kind of observe what was happening. And then the the slow parade of different Nightmare family members coming out and providing that support and encouragement. And uh, really was just a, a visceral segment. Really, really well done. I thought the pacing was good. It wasn't over too quickly, but it also didn't feel like it was being unnecessarily dragged out. I liked Cody psyching himself up at the beginning and then m j f kind of robbing him of that energy that he had built up by you know asking for Cody's belt and mm-hmm. the different you know elements of it um, different ways that m j f drew it out and the the different Things that he yelled throughout the segment they did a really good job of getting over that mjf thought this was his ticket out of having to have that match i I think the one critique that i would have is given how this segment was done and how good it was this should have been the last hurdle you know i i the the match with wardlow coming up just i don't think it's gonna and and maybe they'll surprise me i mean this was so well done they could definitely surprise me and, and it could be great. But I feel like getting through the match with Wardlow should have been the first major checkpoint. And then this could have been, you know, a week before two weeks before revolution and they could have really built up the drama of if he can't take it, the match is off and he's gone through everything else for nothing so that's the only critique that i would have but i, I thought it was just a really well done segment mjf is so good at this and god i hate him and i can't wait to see him get his ass kicked and that's yep. really that's your job you know when you're a heel that is your job so i i really like that aspect of it and poor brandy i mean god mm. i don't think she had to fake those tears i mean that no just... i don't think
0: anyone faked those tears like you saw cody but Dustin like you can see him in the eyes I'm like holy shit like on well, Dustin the, I mean that yeah, was what I, really
1: got to me when he came out and he was like I'll I'll, I'll take the next I'll five like them. let me take these five and you know MJF is like that's not how it it's works it's not how it works
0: like oh my god all the all the lines all the acting in this se- in this this scene <laughs> in this this segment were just outstanding you know you, first you come you have Arn come out and like just just coaching him up and then you have mjf screaming at arn you can't save him coach him up now arn and then obviously when dustin comes out you know the brother brother love that we've seen so many times it harkened back to their match at uh double or nothing last year where you know i need my big brother and in this moment you could see in cody's eyes like man i need my big brother right now and then the young bucks you know like just checking on him, embracing him. Um, And, and then when, uh, when Brandy came out, that's the thing that broke me. That was, it's just so incredibly well done. And uh, I, I, and talking about the acting and the emotion when MJF snapped and, and, and realized, oh my God, he made it. Just the, like the initial, like his face, his reaction after that 10th lash almost topped everything else anyone else did in that that segment. So just just a masterclass in in acting and storytelling. And yeah, I like you said the the order of these things, it was definitely this could have been last and it would have probably been a a great, you know, climax right before that match. Uh but I didn't expect this to be what it was. So I I have no idea what they're going to do in between those 2 weeks between the cage match with Wardlow and Revolution, you know, is he going to go after Arn? Is MJF going to go after Arn or Dustin or Brandy or Pharaoh or something? Like, how low can MJF go? And I can't wait to see it. I, I, I'm just truly, like, we talk about experiences and other aspects of our lives. You know, we talk almost every day. Like, this was a wrestling moment that I am so glad I watched live and I'm so glad I just got to sit and react and experience it and I, I I this is something I'm going to remember from AEW for a long long time and if they can just keep the momentum going this has a chance to be a, an incredible just an incredible story from start to finish that hopefully we get an amazing match at Revolution so
1: uh one other note and and this is kind of in a different direction but you know we Talk about wrestling a lot as being something like family friendly. And this segment was definitely not family friendly. AW has been a bit more edgy than the other products that are out there in general. Um, but I appreciate that this segment was put on last. Now, I don't have young kids or anything that I watch the show with. But I know a lot of other wrestling fans do. And the positioning of this segment as going on last is nice because if you need to tell junior okay it's bedtime you don't get to see this you're given that option and it's not something that's placed you know at the the transition between the eight o'clock and nine o'clock hour that you know is a pivotal spot in the show even though it'd be a ratings draw and i know there's there's utility in saving the ratings draw for the end of the show as well but it's it's nice to see that they would make that choice so that for those fans out there, they have that option, that opportunity. I mean, everything about this was really, really well done, and it did, you know, a couple of weeks ago when we we discussed this, I talked about the Flip Gordon Bully Ray segment, and it was very reminiscent of that, just if that segment had been done, you know, way better. So... (laughs) It you know they didn't have the the different people coming out and providing the encouragement. It was just <clears throat> bully trying to get Flip to quit and Flip stubbornly making his way back to his feet to take the next shot from the kendo stick. And you know it was a really really good segment. This was better, so much better. And and I really think that was the segment that made Flip as as a more than just you know, a guy who does all kinds of crazy, flippy moves in the ring, but someone who's more of a character who has depth. And I think in a way, it it took this feud to the next level where there's a lot more depth, there's a lot more on the line. And it's not just the, you cost me a championship, or the opportunity to compete for championships in the future. It's, you know, this personal thing, you took this away from me and and now i'm gonna get my revenge so i'm really interested to see what they do with this and man what a great segment
0: yeah that's it's not there's not really anything else more to say uh, it's just i i think i think it's just going to be something that a lot of people are going to look back on and say that was because i because we've always we, we've talked about this even before we started this show it's like yeah, we know they can bring it in the ring better than almost any other company any given day, maybe outside of NJPW. And we always are saying like, yeah, we get just we need the, we need these stories to develop, we need these characters to develop. And when they launched in October, like there was a lot of unknowns and there was a lot of questions on how these characters would operate and how these stories would go. So, but we always you know we just kept saying, well, let's just give them time, give them time. They're gonna get their footing, and. It, not just a segment, but it seemed like tonight, like everything just worked. Like this, I thought this was a really good episode of Dynamite, and we're starting to finally see all these different characters develop. And like, I, I keep listening to these old episodes. I'm like, oh man, I, I was down on Brett Baker about a month ago, and now I, I'm loving what they're doing with Britt Baker. I was mad that Rio wasn't around. Well, seeing the work that she's done and the kind of the stuff she's done with Kenny Omega, I'm like, man, I'm, I'm back in on Rio, and then like. It's just I, every every concern I, I have, they they kind of keep resolving it. So I, I just 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 a great example, I think, of what they can do when when they're given their ability. And it's funny that you mentioned like this was at the end of the show, so it was definitely like if kids were going to sleep. I I remember when they shook up the Monday and Friday show of the other wrestling company last year, and they were going to make the third hour of Raw extra edgy and PG fourteen like. They've done nothing that even can compare to what we saw in the last 25 minutes of this show. So uh, take that. This this is TV-14 wrestling.
1: To your point about you know stories kind of building up, wrestling comes and goes in waves, right? So as we're moving towards, we're now less than a month away from Revolution, it's time for some of these stories to start taking shape. The things that have been bubbling up and you saw it with the Bucks and Paige and Kenny. You saw it with uh, Kip Sabian and Joey Janella and we're really starting to move forward and it's starting to feel more like we know what we're going to get a little bit more at Revolution and that's exciting. But I think there kind of have to be those more down periods in order to build the anticipation where We're laying that foundation, that groundwork. And that in itself is not all that exciting. But it leads to a payoff like tonight, which was just a flawless, nearly flawless episode of Dynamite. Um, So I want to talk about a match that was just absolute and utter beautiful chaos, which was that eight-man tag match. I am not a fan of multi man tag matches, because it's really hard to create an ending that feels like anything other than happenstance because you have so many different people who can interfere it's so hard to get a clean finish, and it always just devolves into chaos. well, this match the finish was tremendous, absolutely tremendous, and the whole match was just spot after spot after spot, frantic action from top to bottom and Everybody came out looking great. It advanced the storyline and I mean just some of the offense in this match from Page, from Nick Jackson, from Phoenix, I mean, it just was remarkable. There's some really good spots for the butcher. I mean, i I don't I can I don't have enough good things to say about this match. It was just absolutely fantastic from my perspective. Uh was there anything a particular sequence of of moves or a particular rally that that really got you going with this match?
0: <laughs> I I feel like almost the entire thing it, it was just it, like you said it was it was chaos. It was sweet beautiful chaos. Um I think my favorite spot of the match was uh the butcher was going for the pin. And Pentagon leaped off his back and hit one of the Bucks with a, destroy, uh, a destroyer. Yeah. And it just, and I, it, cause we always talk about like, man, like, I love that the, the attention to detail of trying to stop someone from breaking up the pin. That's the way you stop from someone from breaking up the pin. The thing is, like, the referee was like shocked and he stopped counting. <laughs> so, like,
1: you know, well, I think it, technically, <laughs> like, Pentagon stopped the pin in trying I guess, to keep, yeah. you know, but, uh, <laughs> I really like that because, you know, a Canadian destroyer or Mexican destroyer or whatever nationality destroyer you want to call it, it is a move that looks really good or really bad. Mm. It's either totally obvious the collaborative nature of that move or it looks really smooth and clean. And that destroyer from Pentagon just looked fantastic. And, you know, they're all superheroes and whatnot but sometimes these moves do a better job of maintaining your suspension of disbelief than others and this destroyer was just off the charts
0: really really smooth so especially considering his launch pad you know it's a it's a flabby butcher that he's jumping off of uh I, I, I wanna, you don't I, think I wanna the butcher highlight... has a stealth six-pack no no, not at all. <laughs> uh, he he tours with that band all the time. He's probably eating like shit, but... Um, no, he's always highlight... chowing
1: down on lean meat protein.
0: That's true. Well, he, he is a butcher. Um, I want to I wanna highlight the butcher for a second, too, because last week we talked about body diversity and how we needed a little bit more in the men's division. Well, there were spots in this match with him that showed the importance of having someone that size. For example, the... Kenny went for the Hurricanrana, the Butcher caught him, looked like he was going for a powerbomb, and then Kenny actually nailed the Hurricanrana, like, it just, it makes it, it makes it just a little more impressive that he pulled it off, or when Hangman hit the, hit the fallaway slam on the Butcher too, like, you know, like, the Butcher's a big guy, he's probably the third, in terms of weight, he's probably the second heaviest guy in the company after Evil Uno, um, and probably a little shorter than Luchasaurus, and, um, jack jake stupid hager i don't know can not <laughs> never remember his first name um but it just it, it showed how the size can add to a match and we've been kind of missing that because we haven't had guys like that so just a, just a shout out to the butcher and also just triple b got a win i've been asking for this for months i don't care if it's an eight-man tag they got their win it was awesome uh i, I I haven't even talked about Phoenix yet because everything he does is silky smooth and I can't do anything in my life as great as he does that rolling cutter. It always looks good. It always hits on time. And just just, I, I, just I the amount of talent in this match was, was off the charts.
1: His action on the finish, you know, coming off the top rope to do the stomp on that package pile driver, mm-hmm. immediately hitting top speed bouncing off the ropes, and doing a diving flip between the ropes, I mean, that was just an incredible finish. And the storytelling was great in this match, too. You know, so often there's a critique of spot fest matches like this, like, oh, you're not telling a story. But from the very beginning, you know, Paige coming out ahead of the elite and being all grumpy and not Celebrating on stage with their confetti and and pyro and everything, and then just kind of standing on the apron and you know not being super engaged and then not wanting to tag the bucks in, which ultimately led to them losing the match, not to mention the fact that he was selling a knee injury for most of the match, and that came into play several times. I mean just really good attention to detail, a really well laid out match. Everybody got some shine. I, I think the only person who I don't have some kind of memorable spot associated with in this match was the Blade. But like everybody else got to do really cool stuff, and he's in there, you know, to be a hand and to you know put in good work. And and he's not like he looked bad in the match. It's just you know, he didn't have as much memorable offense as everybody else. And and when you're out there with the likes of Nick and Matt Jackson and Kenny Omega and Adam Page and the Lucha Bros, like you really need to do something to stand out. Butcher stands out just because he's big and mm-hmm. got to do some really powerful moves. But you know, it, it's it's tough for for a guy like the Blade in a match like this to stand out.
0: Yeah, I will say he did. He did. I did take a note that he did nail Kenny with a pretty like a pretty big boot. Like it looked smooth. Yeah. But yeah. He he. He was, um, it's just hard to stand out when you have that many world-class wrestlers in the ring, but, uh, they definitely look like they belong. And which I think is the ultimate compliment when you're in a match like this is like, they didn't seem out of place. They didn't seem like the weak links. And I think they have something really, really special. I, I say every week, I love the butcher, the blade and the bunny. I, they're, They might be one of my favorite uh, tag teams and trios in all of wrestling right now. I love their look. I love everything about them. So kudos for them for being in this spot kind of early. You know, they debuted back in what, late December? And they were in this type of barn burner match this early. Like, just props to what they can do. And I'd love to see the Blade in like a one-on-one match with one of the Bucks or something. Because I feel like, like he has the ability to just kind of go at a different pace that the butchered just can't because of his size um but yeah just just an awesome awesome segment uh and I, the i don't think i laughed as hard tonight when before, ah, the amount of laughter when page they took the the small beer away from him and he looks at the camera and he just pulls up a goddamn damn picture <laughs> I, yeah. I was dying he
1: might be an alcoholic
0: so funny, and if that's the way they're going with the story, that's great, you know. Because like, we all know, like you know, alcoholism isn't alcoholism alone. There, there's always something that, uh, you know, goes hand in hand with it, you know. So if it's not feeling appreciated by the elite or feeling like Kenny is, you know, overshadowing him, you know, I feel like that's a really cool story that we don't really see in professional wrestling. We don't really see a lot of substance abuse um type stories uh i can't remember Uh, last time i remember alcohol being involved in a segment other than stone cold's random beer bashes was like when jericho smashed a bottle of whiskey over cm punk's head and that was almost a decade ago so i just kind of want we we talk about like this company being a little more progressive than other wrestling companies and i feel like this is a type of story that you maybe necessarily wouldn't see uh the other the main other wrestling company would do.
1: Yeah, and I think, you know, it's something they need to be delicate with because I don't know that going I mean, we joke, we kid here, uh, but I don't think leaning into full-on alcoholism is a good move here. I think they can leave it at your drinking is becoming a problem and and move forward with that because I, I don't you know, segments like this are going to naturally come off as humorous. And I think making light of alcoholism is probably a bad idea. Um, But I, I think that there's a lot they can do here, and it's a natural story. You know, so much of what we complain about with the other wrestling company is these people don't have any reasons to fight each other, other than they're all competitors in a wrestling company. You know, they don't talk like real people. They don't feud over things that make sense to the average person so uh, that's one of the reasons why in AEW they talk about the purse and you know winning yielding more money you know because that's motivation it's something that everybody can understand wrestling is a simple product and presenting it telling simple stories but simple stories done well is the best kind of wrestling that you can have and so I think Page's drinking is a problem is a very simple story and as long as they tell that story well this is going to be really fun to see how it plays out and the eventual meltdown I wouldn't be surprised to see SCU get their tag titles back next week after they you know face off with Kenny and Page, and maybe that leads to them having a bit of a falling out and then you know Immediately after that, the following week, is when Kenny has to turn around and have a 30-minute Iron Man match with Pac. And, you know, maybe Paige gets involved there. And then the two of them have a grudge match at uh, Revolution. I mean, I'd be down to see Paige and Omega go at it. So there's a lot of different things they can do. And it's going to be fun as long as they don't get too complicated with it. And keep telling a good, simple, compelling story,
0: yeah, it, we, we mentioned last week, you know you want to be able to give them as a storyteller, you want to be able to have multiple outs, you know, multiple paths that you can possibly go, and I feel like this could culminate at revolution, I feel like it could they could make it last till double or nothing may twenty third in Vegas announced today, or they God, if they even want to stretch it, they could go even further i i am I have the trust in their in AW storytelling right now that I'm not like we always talk about all the time in other shows like oh this story's gone on for way too long. How how many how long did Randy Orton and jinder Hall feud for that <laughs> WWE title a few years ago? It literally was like way five months. Long. Yeah, if this went five months, I feel confident that it would be great um because they they're really not giving me anything to to be angry about when it comes to some of these. Longer stories they've been telling. God, up until a week or two ago, MJF and Cody hadn't been in the ring together since November, since full gear. So if they could make this story continue and keep the heat going with two talents like uh, Omega and Page, I, I have no no worries about it. I I am also widely impressed by how over Paige is now, because I was at I was at all out. And when he came out for the main event against Jericho, it didn't feel natural. It didn't feel like this should be the guy who's going for the title. Something was missing. And to just hear the crowd in Alabama go absolutely nuts for him when he got that hot tag in the match, or the reaction when he did one of the most beautiful moonsaults out of the ring, like, he has a beautiful moonsault. Like, it... It's working, and the cowboy shit chants nonstop. Obviously, the 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 beer comedy is helping helping too. But I remember after All Out, I was like, "Where does Page go from here?" You know he he lost that match, and then he lost. um, Didn't lose the pack early on too. It just yeah, they traded wins. Yeah, so he felt a little lost, and like he has momentum right now where. If 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 you were if All Out th- last year was happening this year and you told me it was going to be Jericho Page for the title, it would feel more believable.
1: Definitely. I mean, I think he's getting a lot of shine out of this whole thing. And uh, I think there's, like I said, I, there's a lot of momentum behind him. The fans are getting more interested. And I think it's truly because they're getting to see not only what he can do in the ring, but also getting to see more of his character come together um so we got a lot to get to tonight uh there's a big episode a lot of different things to talk about um we'd be remiss if we didn't talk about the opening segments uh mox going over ortiz and then uh getting his revenge looking right into the camera and yelling an eye for an eye and Mm -hmm. taking the car key and using the car key to take out santana's eye what did you think of this segment
0: (laughs) it was so good it was so and like one the match was was pretty pretty good too uh the the physicality you know of of ortiz and moxley that was like i I wanted it to actually go a little longer you know it it, but it it felt perfect you know because we talked about last week like does does moxley need allies well no apparently not he's just gonna take you out one by one and there's going to be a total of two working eyes in that match next week. And that just makes me really like (laughs) makes me laugh. But I I just, I I, I thought it was perfect. And I, I just, the brutality that Moxley had in that segment and just kind of like, yeah, yeah, you, you you fucked up with what you did to me and now your guy's going to suffer for it. And I loved Santana's promo uh, later in the show in the stairwell, like, holy crap. Yeah. Just, just, I am so excited for that match next week because he was basically like, you're going to bring out a different side of me. I've had a bad um, 2019. It, it just, I didn't expect that from him and I didn't expect to be excited because I figured that Moxley would just go through the rest of the inner circle over the next few weeks. Like It seemed pretty obvious when they announced the Ortiz match and usually we're conditioned for those to just be, oh yeah, quick wins and then a beat down, quick win and then a beat down. Like, the turned my expectations on its head, and I, I just, I just thought they did a really good job. And the eye for the, an eye for an eye, um, angle to it is is just really, really good. And I love Jericho. Like, what kind of man takes a, a spike and jams into another person's eye? I'm like, hey, hey, you gaslighting mo- mofo. That was you. <laughs> that was the only thing that Jericho said.
1: All night that I liked, <laughs> I thought he was terrible on commentary. Just absolutely Ugh. brutal on commentary. um You're going downtown to Chinatown. Johnny. Oh,
0: that was so bad. I mean, that's
1: just such a terrible line. Like, and I get that. Like, that's kind of part of the gimmick. It's sort of meta. Like, I'm bad at this, and that's what makes me a heel. But part of me thinks that Jericho thinks he's cool and that <laughs> these lines he's delivering are actually good lines. And they're they're not. They're just they're
0: dad you know. lines they are like they're like lines your dad says in front of your friends that you're embarrassed about. He did say one thing that I really, really liked. Uh, at one point, he says, I never should have brought him here. I should have let him languish. Don't ever be nice. And he says that he says, like, right, Samson's like, yeah, I'm, I'm writing that down right now. Like.
1: I, just, I did like, enjoy that from Sammy. I thought that was yeah, great for, for him to like, was... be a sycophant and be like, yes, I'm writing that down. Never be nice to anyone.
0: Yes, boss. Yes, boss. Like writing it down in his little notepad. But uh, I just I love that they keep kind of like referencing how, how miserable Moxley was before coming to AEW from a creative standpoint. So I did enjoy that. And then I think JR described her tease. He's a cigarette machine with a head on it. <laughs> what I mean, yeah. the hell does that what mean what does that even mean <laughs> I, don't, I don't even know one cigarette machines are an extremely dated reference you never see them anywhere in the united Except states the bowling At least, alleys bowling alleys maybe i haven't seen one since i was in germany a decade ago and the only one actually i scratch out there's a brewery near me but instead of cigarettes it has chocolate like artisan chocolate in it instead of cigarettes so like like okay, so they just have okay. it there for like the vintage. Well, you got, you actually can get the chocolate out of it like they modified it so instead of cigarette cartridges, it takes out these little right 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 But yeah. But oh yeah, rather it's than thing. having a normal
1: yeah. vending machine, it's a cigarette yep. machine for the vintage yeah. aspect of it. So. Yeah. So,
0: but yeah, um, I, I I think the whole yeah. segment was uh the great yeah Jericho on commentary there was, I don't know I'm saying this but also like a fine line between insanity and genius. I thought that was a pretty good uh, line too, and how well or T, uh, moxley is a genius you know he's pretty pretty close to crossing that line any moment like so it was it was all the it was all the ones with him trying to be funny all this stuff of them like praising moxley actually worked for me but yeah the downtown the chinatown i almost choked on my water because i have not heard anyone use that phrase since god when we're pogs in the 90s <laughs> early 2000s that'd
1: be late 90s
0: yeah late 90s. 90s jericho come on
1: Oof. Um, but yeah i mean it just it doesn't really work for me and and i think part of it also is an oversaturation thing um because he's been on commentary a lot lately yeah and like he's just not very good at it like part of it also he talks a lot and he sucks at calling the action in the ring, and. If you're going to just be there and throw in a clever quip here and there and not dominate the air, that's fine. But if you're going to call the match, you better be good at it. Like when the New Day are out on commentary and they call a match, it's hilarious because Xavier Woods is actually really good at calling the action in the ring and -hmm. also making it funny. So he can dominate the air and that's okay. And then you've got you know Biggie jumping in with a little clever quip here and there, but Jericho, he'd be like, "Ooh, look at that! Ooh, that's like, that's not like, how are you so bad at this?"
0: Once again, though, he did get me with one when when uh, Moxley threw Ortiz out of the ring area. He screamed, "Oh no!" Like like it was like it was like Simba when uh Mufasa was falling to his death like it was so like it was so high-pitched so random and like it like he was legitimately shocked because he's like oh because he said after it was like oh I thought he was gonna counter that or I thought he was gonna block that but <laughs> that got me so yeah the other stuff yeah it's we've been getting a lot of Jericho talking lately and I get it you want to? you don't necessarily need him to wrestle every week and he probably shouldn't as champion so you got to get him on t- on tv somewhere and who else in that group do you trust to talk? I mean, now I trust Santana to talk because that was an awesome promo he cut, and I like that we're starting to see. We we got a lot of Sammy personality uh, since the Inner Circle formed, but we're starting to see a little more from Santana Santana Ortiz. And you know, you mentioned last week that you think Santana is the better worker than Ortiz. Well, now I'm just I'm that makes me even more excited for this Santana Moxley match next week.
1: So, I'm not sure if this should be a stock up or a stock down, but when the Dark Order commercial came on, I briefly stopped paying attention because yes. I didn't realize that it wasn't just a commercial break. And I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. Like, on the one hand, it's obviously really good production because. It just. We all saw the real like, commercial. I did too. Yeah, I, I thought someone was going to be selling me heart medication or something. I don't know, but pills. then it, it it turns out that no, this is part of the Dark Orders recruitment. And then I love that the commercial ended with that line of like "all hail" or, or whatever the I can't remember how they phrased it, but it, it was so good, and it's just. It's at the segment of the commercial where normally they would be like listing off side effects at at really high speed.
0: Exalted one, exalted one. That's that's the word we're looking for.
1: All power to the exalted one, and you know, just absolutely fantastic. I, I really enjoyed that part of it. So once I realized that it was a Dark Order segment, I thought it was great. Uh, but but yeah, that was that was really uh, interesting. And uh, we saw the Dark Order one other time on the show as well. Uh, following up with their recruitment efforts and their threats that they issued to Christopher Daniels coming out. And uh, one thing I really liked about this segment was that they beat up on everybody except Christopher Daniels. Yes, They wouldn't go after him. And uh, I thought that was really cool because they made it clear, no, we're not going to beat you up. We're going to beat up everyone you care about. And you're the only one who can make it stop. And you can only make it stop by joining us. So I thought that message was really cool. So um, really, really good involvement. And if this is the kind of thing that they do with the Dark Order uh, between now and revealing the Exalted One, I'm all in on that. It's so good.
0: I think this was the best Dark Order segment, maybe since they started this whole recruitment thing. The vignettes have been good. You know, the commercials. And then the recruitment of the Beaver Boys, I think was their name. I don't even know. Um, but I, I thought this was one of the best ones. And I really loved, uh Christopher Daniels screaming, fight me, I'm right here. And then just slowly backing out. Like, I, that just that just really hit for me. And well, I then wrote he took my it a note, step
1: further and he took it a step further and laid down in the ring and said, come yeah. on, come kick my ass. Like, it's
0: so good. I, I even wrote my notes when Orange Cassidy came in the ring. I'm like is Orange Cassidy the Exalted One? <laughs> this would be great. Just instead of just being creepers, they're just all versions of Orange Cassidy. Um, and I loved when he reached out for the mask, he then put his hands up, put his hands in the pocket. I'm like, oh, dude, you're going to get so destroyed here. But thank you for making me laugh. Um, that The match itself, the the SCU Best Friends match was fine. You know, I I wouldn't say it was like, you know, this amazing and crazy match, but I think it served the purpose of getting us to this segment. Um, but when Orange Cassidy decided to lay down on the floor when everyone else on the ground was laid out was just another like <laughs> just, just another moment where you just laugh out loud, take it. And like I got a text from a buddy. It's like, How is Orange Cassidy so over? And I, I told him it's one of those things that you don't I don't think you really get it until you see it a hundred percent in person. Like, if you're not already into it and you don't see it, in, like, I I was like, okay, he has a cool style. But then I saw him at that GCW show where he wrestled Gang Grell in 2019. He had a, wow. a match with Gang freaking Grell. And it was my favorite match of the night because his he controls his gimmick and he, he lives his gimmick. Like, he's so damn good at it. It's so convincing. And it's just so funny when you're used to – people trying to take each other's heads off and he's just going to lightly tap your shin like it's just yeah. it's just so good so big props for orange castles spots in that match but if the ultimate goal was to get us to that dark order segment continue this Christopher daniel's uh recruitment story then it it's all good with me i'm excited to, i'm excited about this dark order storyline and i'm i'm really like this exalted one has got to be Someone impactful, like they gotta they deliver, can't, they gotta deliver because this is a team that you've been building up since AEW was announced essentially at double or nothing. Like their first, when did they must, yeah, they debuted right after double or nothing. And this has to be someone big, or I am not gonna ever care again because there have been so many stops and goes stop stops and goes on this where you think okay they're finally doing something good and then they go out and do something incredibly stupid or like not believable so this has to deliver and I am I'm excited I'm excited and I'm curious to see who this exalted leader is because if it is the right person then the dark order can become a massive massive force in AEW and if they miss I, out of chances for me, I, I would think that too many, too many times I've got my hopes up to be let down.
1: Fair enough. There were a couple of spots in this match that I uh, thought were worth noting. Uh, one was a really cool corner save spot with Chuck E.T. and Trent. Oh yeah, where yeah, yeah. Trent was getting whipped into the corner to go hard off the turnbuckle, and Chuck got himself up on the top and put his body in the way—his big squishy body, hey, his squishy and, man
0: uh, dad bod. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: I mean, I just thought that was great. It's like, I've seen that spot a couple of times. It was actually used on an episode of NWA the other night. And um, it's just a really clever spot. And I enjoy seeing stuff like that, especially seeing it thrown into the flow of a pretty frenetic yeah. match. And the other thing was, well, there's it's a lot good of for commentary for pointing there.
0: that out too. Like, I think that was good. That commentary like made a point because if they didn't say anything, I don't think it would have registered me to me that, Uh, chucky was saving trent in that situation so good good for commentary for pointing that out sorry to interrupt yeah
1: so there's a lot of good drop kicks out there you know i'm a sucker for a good drop kick uh scorpio sky threw a drop kick that was approaching lance storm territory of excellence i mean just absolutely crisp and if you're not familiar with lance storm's drop kick ability i know he's not someone that gets touted as you know throwing the world's best drop kick but kind of does so uh go look up some of the gifts that are out there he's tremendous it was tremendous and uh i i really really enjoyed it so uh, other than that though i mean the rest of the match was good it was entertaining um Zarian still looks like the generic created wrestler to me with no customizations uh, yeah but that's that's fine that's fine not a problem i still enjoy watching him work he's a great worker um, I and, I really uh,
0: like the assisted uh, swinging DDT that him and Kaz, uh, Scorpio's guy and Ka- uh, Kaz, did together. I thought that mm-hmm. was super clean, super crisp. Um, I I I made a note to to talk about mention that spot. Um, and of course the the hug. You know, they would have yeah. won if they didn't hug. <laughs> Bro's gonna grow. Yep. Um, but yeah, I I think if if we yeah let's take a let's take a the Brit Baker. And I'm going to, it's y- Yuka, Yuka Sakazaki. Sakazaki. Yep. Yuka Sakazaki. One. Wow, what a fun match. Surprising that Yuka got the upset. You know, they made a point to say the unranked member of the women's division. So, like, we got a little March Madness here. But all the post-match activity. Like, I know wrestling, they they can make things look worse than they really are. But when Yuka spit out the tooth with yeah. all the blood that she had, and then mm-hmm. Britt locking in the lockjaw again, like and 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 Seth Rollins does the curb stomp. This was a curb stomp. Like yeah. she had her bite the rope, and like I don't know if it's rope or cables in AEW, but either way, like it was brutal. And like I, I this this is what I want to see from. Brit, this is what i think the women's division needs and it surprised me that we're getting nyla and rio next week i thought that would have been a revolution match but now i think that this is just inevitably going to lead to brit baker versus rio at revolution especially because uh, brit baker has been calling rio out you know over the last couple months for pr- in promos about not being here but I think this was a, a, a match where both people came out looking really, really strong. And I'm excited to see if we're gonna get you know more Yuka going forward. I think she has some um, good skill, uh, good good moves. Um, my only complaint is the first maybe half of the match. You could tell that maybe they didn't haven't worked together much because some of the stuff didn't look as crisp. But that stuff seemed to work out as the match went on, and then obviously the post post match segment was incredible.
1: Yeah, I thought it was really good. I thought it was another example of how Britt Baker is elevated by being in the ring with somebody really, really capable as a worker. I don't think Britt is someone who makes other people look better, but she can be made to look really, really good. So it's kind of complicated because it's not like she is a bad worker at all, but she needs a good dance partner. And Yuka Mm -hmm. Sakazaki was a great dance partner. This was a really fun match. And I was surprised at the finish. I really didn't expect Yuka to get the win, and especially to get the win in that spot. Uh, So, really interesting. And I thought it was just a great way to make Brit a heel, even before we got into the stomping on the ropes and the breaking the teeth and the, you know, all of that. Just her actions in the ring, because she's ostensibly beating the crap out of someone who's five feet tall and hundred pounds. And and Brit's one of yep. the taller women in the division. She's much more imposing than a lot of the other competitors. So that contrast, again, getting back to what's become one of the big themes of our show, you know, the body diversity of the roster, that makes a big difference. And it allows you to simply by having these two work a match and Britt wasn't even doing anything particularly heelish during the body of the match, but just the juxtaposition of her against the smaller competitor makes her seem like a heel. And then, of course, all of the post-match activity that you brought up and discussed, I mean, it just seals the deal. So, And then, of course, you got the follow-up. They closed the loop by having her walk out with the heels on stage at the end yep. to watch Cody get whipped. So... Really good stuff and, you know, some enjoyable tie-ins there. Again, the attention to detail, really, really nice.
0: Yeah, it uh, just, just like, a lot of brutality tonight. A lot of a lot of stuff that kind of made me want to, like, I looked away for a second when she was bleeding and the tooth came out. That stuff skis me out. And then you obviously had, you know, Moxie trying to rip out santana's eye (laughs) obviously the 10 lashes at the end you know this was a really really physical brutal episode of dynamite and um i they they, they've done some stuff over the last year where i'm like oh god that might be too much like the moxley omega hardcore match and you know some of the stuff with joey janela and havoc with their staple guns and stuff but Um, this type of stuff, uh, you know, it can be really effective when it's used in the right way. We don't, we don't want violence and brutality for violence and brutality's sake. We want it for when it makes sense and advances the story and it helps create character. So I feel like in all of the extreme moments tonight, they all were part of some sort of character or story development. So, um, just something that I, I really enjoy about what they're doing so far. I do want to talk about the the Kip Sabian and Bad Boy Joey Janella match. They got through all of the advertised matches by like 55 minutes into the show. So I was like, where are we going the rest of the night? Because, um, which was, it's a good thing. And also I also was like, is the lashing going to take 45 minutes? Like, where are we going from here? So I was very surprised when I saw that this match was on the card. Because I kind of thought this was going to be a revolution match. It still can be, because I don't think this feud is over in the slightest. Um, and I, th- I really think they have some good ke- chemistry. And I think Penelope Ford is just a great, great uh, dynamic in this feud. Um, and while I, I don't know if this was like the the match we truly needed for this feud to end, it was really personal a lot of not a lot of wrestling going on at first a lot of chops punches kicks strikes you know uh getting them locked up in the corner um so definitely i think there's a lot of potential there for if they keep going with this i hope they do because it seems like it would have ended kind of abruptly if that's the case i thought there was some good character
1: development in this match as well we've talked about how joey janella hasn't really shown us much outside of the handful of hardcore matches that he had early on and mm-hmm. that we were starting to see more of his character come out and this week when he petulantly sat down in the middle of the ring and was like kick me you yeah. know and he had that look on his face determined not to show any pain and just stone facing the whole thing janelle is crazy like it really started to come out and I thought there were some really cool spots in this match. The tripping spot on the apron that sent Janela mm-hmm. face first into the stairs. Mm-hmm. That was brutal. And stair spots always kind of wig me out a little bit. Cause I, I feel like there's just so much that can go wrong there. And a lot uh, of pointy,
0: I, pointy end. Yeah.
1: yeah. Yeah. And stairs don't give they're solid. So uh, I thought that was really cool. And then that, Really fast, like almost a snap. Death Valley driver. That yeah. Wow. I mean, that was so yeah. smooth and just really, really quick, and it looked devastating. Um, I thought there was some really cool interference spots with Penelope Ford, and I'm yep. glad to see that she's getting a bigger role on the show because I think she's an underrated talent within the company and there's a lot that she can bring to the table, so I'm I'm glad that she's getting to have these spots. And maybe now is a good time to talk about the uh intergender match from from Dark, since we're already talking about Penelope Ford and she was one of the participants in that match alongside Kip Sabian. And uh they wrestled with Kenny Omega and Rio. And this was a match that took place on the cruise. And based on the style that it was shot, you know, with that single roving camera.
0: Yeah. uh, If you haven't
1: seen it, definitely check it out. It's free. It's on YouTube. And it was a really unique experience watching that match. It kind of felt like a documentary.
0: No commentary, too, which was interesting. You know, unless yours had commentary. Mine didn't have commentary. No, okay, no commentary. I was I, watching. I saw your face. I was like, "Oh, maybe I was. Maybe I watched a bootleg version or something." I don't know. Nope, um, no. Um, it was different. And being able to hear everything they were saying, um, like the ref said, "Get her out of the corner," and then Penelope was like, "Okay, how about this corner?" and like ran her over to the other corner and slammed her head against the turnbuckle. Like you get that a lot when you go to indie shows. When you see it in person, it's sometimes hard to hear that on a a traditional um. TV show, so it was, it was nice being able to hear that stuff during this match. I love that Kenny and Rio had matching ring gear. Um, I, I, Kenny's I gear kind of, looked awesome. Yeah, we had kind of like the little like like strands hanging off of it, like Rio's skirt, and uh, like the, like I think the fans started chanting "Pretty in Pink" yep. at the beginning. Like, there's your tag team name. Boom, got it. <laughs> like, um, I just I I loved everything about this, and the fact that i remember tony khan saying uh last summer that intergender wrestling probably most likely wasn't going to be a part of AEW for you know obvious reasons we don't need to hash why people might not want to watch intergender wrestling but um it seemed like a pretty big no and i can i can only imagine this has been The women in the division and kenny advocating for this and maybe this this was just their recruitment video for tessa blanchard at some point you like intergender wrestling hey we'll we'll give you some intergender wrestling but um it it definitely was crazy i know it wasn't on tv it was on youtube but it's crazy to just see the the second biggest wrestling company in america not only having that match but it, it being a Awesome, awesome match! Like it was so much fun in the spots they were doing, and we've talked before how, or well, at least I, I I've, I've talked before about how I'm okay with gender wrestling if it, if it's not like a power dynamic thing, you know, if you treat it as they're competitors and they're just having a match, and you're not going into that like Scott Steiner, Stacy Keebler domestic violence story they did with like Tess back in the day. Like, if if it's treated as true competition, then I'm all for it, but I can get why some people would be like, maybe not.
1: Well, I think there's a way to do it that's not exploitative, and I think that's the example that was set by this match. I don't know if you listened to Kenny's speech after the match was over, uh, but, you know, he talked about how wrestling is a medium where anything is possible, and that this was a way for them to kind of push some of the boundaries and show something different. And I thought it was really well done. And, you know, something, I've heard a lot of different commentators and podcasts talk about the challenges of intergender wrestling and how the thing that you don't want to see, right. Is a man striking a woman and like just that visual. And Mm -hmm. in this match, it was predominantly grappling and different holds and throws and spots. But then the few times that Kip Sabian did like land a a traditional strike, a punch or a kick on Rio or Kenny on Penelope Ford, it seemed really impactful and important within the context of the match. I think the whole process was treated with respect and all four of the competitors, you know, they all got their licks in and it all was treated with the same level of dignity. So I think if there's a way to do it on a mainstream platform, this is the way. I think that they weren't ever intending to air that based on the way it was shot you know yeah. one camera no commentary it wasn't under the bright lights you know this was clearly something that they did for the people who were on that cruise to be like you know here's the thing and 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 kenny's been doing this forever you know when he was back in ddt in japan he wrestled a nine-year-old girl and <laughs> it was rio you know Wait. oh the no finished- it's a different girl. The finish of that match yeah. was, was him super kicking this nine year old girl and you know, that was the you know, the last spot. But, you know, she was training to be a pro wrestler and, and she wanted to have this match and he was like, all right, well okay And, you know, that was something he had to leave behind when he started working New Japan. And so I think this is something that he's passionate about. He's clearly passionate about women's wrestling and wanting to elevate women within professional wrestling. So I think this is an avenue that he can do that. And aside from everything else, right? If you just take it on its face, it's a damn good match. It I was mean,
0: awesome. Really,
1: like, really great match. It was back and forth. They told a great story. Um, I thought Penelope Ford was awesome. Looked great.
0: Looked great. Like uh, one of the, and you know, when we see Intergender Wrestling in, in the other wrestling company, you know, it's, the momentum's always killed because they have to tag out when the you know to match the genders, and you don't really see a lot of like innovation. There's some really cool tag team spots in this that you only get with like the weight difference or the strength difference. That um, obviously Omega could probably float, throw Rio into the moon since she's so tiny. Um, and there was an awesome spot where like Ford was on Kip's shoulders. And he threw her off, and she did a code breaker to Kenny, and then she held him down, and then Kip hit the scissor kick on top of Omega's neck. And I'm like, that was beautiful. And then there was an early one where, like, Kenny was in the turnbuckle, Rio got thrown into her, and as Kip was running towards him, Kenny, like, helped lifted her up so she could kick him in the face. And just, like, just some really cool stuff. And uh, that might have been my favorite Rio match. Maybe it's just because they gave her some really good workers to work with. You know, Kip's incredible. Penelope Ford's really good. Um, I think she looked, this was, I think, the best she's looked in the company in terms of like in the ring. So it was um, also a really long match. So yeah, it I was think really that helps
1: long. too. If you want to showcase what you can do, that's a great venue for it. And I thought it did a lot to develop the characters of mm-hmm. Kip Sabian and Penelope Ford. And it's almost a shame that it was on Dark, and I understand why it needed to be, yeah. if they want to kind of put the feelers out and see what the reception is and what the reaction is from the broader audience before they try to do something on Dynamite, but man, it was just so cool, and yeah, I, I wouldn't mind having a match, you know, once every few weeks that was shot in that same style, you know? Yeah, it,
0: it was different.
1: It, it really felt like a documentary i was watching with my wife and she said i keep expecting it to cut to someone Different. up Different against angle. a blank wall and have them be talking about this and be like and that was the moment when you know like it was actually yeah. a documentary like david Shoemaker's is going to be up there talking about this match and providing us with context and it was just it was so good it was so good
0: yeah and because of the way it was shot you could hear like all of rio's like punches or chops to penelope ford you could hear the thunks you could hear the thunks and like we know these punches aren't like they're not legit striking each other in the face but like you get hit that many times with enough force to make those thunks like you're gonna bruise you're gonna those are gonna you're gonna feel it in the morning um and also like seeing hearing the v trigger (laughs) that close too um you could just you could hear the the force behind some of those stuff and uh my one of my favorite spots was the V trigger where Rio was like had Kip and then did the guillotine slam thing. It was yeah. so smooth and the trend like they work incredible together. I kinda like that Kenny has like this little side faction, his other family, uh with Michael Nakazawa and Rio, like alright, yeah, I'll lead over there. I got my cool. Japanese friends over here. Um, and one thing, totally unrelated, but uh, I couldn't tell if they were speaking to each other in English or Japanese. Um, but I remember when the Mavericks traded for Kristaps Porzingis last year and practice, him and Luca and JJ Barea would talk to each other in Spanish because they're all fluent in Spanish. And the American defenders didn't know what to do because they were basically just saying, you go there, I go here, I'm going to shoot you do this. And just confusing them because they could speak Spanish <laughs> together. So I really just want to see, like, you know, Kenny and Rio just, you know, if there was ever an intergender tag division, just destroy people because they can speak freely in the ring and not have to counter it. Like, if we're talking about, like, coming out with a play sheet like Arn Anderson, that's type of stuff that you could probably do. So totally random, but I definitely thought the height difference was pretty comparable to Luca and Porzingis, too. So, um, gotta get my mask fixed somehow so (laughs) any other thoughts on this match other than it was awesome and yeah penelope ford is a great talent and want to see her in the ring more and she's she's doing a great job like i she we we talked about all about managers last week and just another awesome performance as a manager in the dynamite show and then just another just an an awesome performance as an in-ring performer i haven't seen her perform that much so getting to see her in that type of match and it was it surprised me that the very first thing was omega and pineapply ford locking up and you notice they kind of gradually increased the intensity between the men and women stuff like it was the lockups and the arm twists and stuff and then about 10 minutes later kip is just slamming rio into the ground so i feel like maybe that wasn't intentional but i feel like the escalations made it a little more acceptable as if you weren't you know, I think it was definitely
1: intentional I think you know you have to ease the audience into that you can't just go straight to okay here's Kenny Omega and Penelope Ford doing strong style in the middle of the ring you know like that's just and, and I wouldn't have enjoyed that you know <laughs> I don't want it to start that way you got to build up to it um I think for anyone out there who hasn't seen the match go watch it right don't take what we're saying don't take what anyone else is saying about it and just accept that and make that your opinion go watch it see it for yourself because you know intergender wrestling is not for everyone i i think that's fair to say there are going to be people out there who because of experiences that they've had in their lives don't want to see this just like there are people who don't want to see scenes of domestic violence in movies and i'm not equating intergender wrestling with domestic mm-hmm. violence but it can be triggering in the same way. So go watch it, make up your mind about it, decide whether you like it, but I thought they did a tremendous job, and if there's a way to present intergender wrestling to a mainstream audience in North America, I think this is the, the template. This is the blueprint, and for anyone else who wants to do it, check it out. Um, I also yeah, I think said. we'd be remiss to... Not mention that Impact has been leading the way on this front uh, with their commitment to intergender wrestling. I know there's a lot of controversy around uh, Tessa Blanchard, and we don't want to get into that here just because this is an AEW podcast. But I do want to mention that, you know, Don Callis and the leadership over there have greenlit intergender wrestling as a major attraction and something to be taken seriously within that promotion. So if yeah. you watch this match and you enjoy it, go check out what they're doing with Tessa Blanchard over an Impact because it's, you know, really great and groundbreaking and, you know, the controversy is a real shame because it could be a real, you know, turning point in how intergender wrestling is perceived by a mainstream audience.
0: Yeah, and I heard that title match between Tessa Blanchard and Sammy Callahan was pretty amazing so i haven't got a chance to watch it myself yet but it's been on my bucket list bucket list it's been on my list bucket list seems like i'm dying it's on my list um <laughs> well, you've had well, that, on that
1: for a while are you
0: sure you're not dying yo man i am finally feeling better that's why i started lifting the heavy things and putting them back down because i can so <laughs> um well i i think we can very quickly there's there's been a few things announced for next week uh we are getting Rio versus uh, Nyla Rose for the women's championship match. And poor Rio taking the Sasha Banks table spot of just not oh, going through it. table didn't break. <laughs> you need more fucking force when you weigh 100 pounds. Like, Nyla, slam her through the table. But You know those um, tell
1: a sad story in three words things that you'll see on Twitter? Um, yeah. I think table didn't break is the wrestling equivalent of that.
0: Uh, it's like the worst thing, because everyone expects it to break. And what do you do? Like, it's so much was, more
1: painful when it doesn't. I mean, yeah, that's what everybody yeah. says. It's so much worse when the table doesn't oh, break.
0: I was at the Hell in a Cell where Charlotte took three attempts and could not get Sasha through the table. And we were up in the upper level. And me and all my friends were like, oh. So, that was horrible. Yeah. So that should be a fun match next week. Um, and then we are also getting... The tag team title match: Kenny Omega and Hangman Page versus the previous champions SCU. Um, and I don't know where I—I I really have no feel on if if there's going to be a title change. Uh, I feel like it—they—it could happen. I also feel like they whoever wins that match could immediately lose it to the winners of that battle royal in two weeks. So, um, I think that's all been announced. I—I I, I found it interesting. That they announced so many things over the next three weeks. I know we're building up to Revolution, but we had they announced those two matches next week. We're going to get Cody versus Wardlow in the Steel Cage match in two weeks. Tag Team Battle Royal for the number one contenders in two weeks. And then the 30-man Iron Man match with Pac and Omega in three weeks. So it's just, they just unload on and like, I'm excited. Those are all things that I'm like, I, not that we're going to miss it because we record this every week. but. I definitely am not going to miss AEW now knowing these are the things I have in store for the next few weeks. So I found it yeah. interesting that they gave us stuff three weeks in advance to promote. But it makes sense with the the upcoming pay-per-view.
1: Yeah, it could also be a business thing with trying to spike ticket sales or, or generate some interest yeah. in those local markets. Um, the other match that has been announced for next week oh. is Mox and Santa.
0: Oh, you're right. forgot that one. We talked about it too. Uh, and that should be uh, – I probably wouldn't have cared as much. If we didn't get that 30 second Santana promo near the end of the show. So good good. job for making me care and giving this match that, you know, could have just been a throwaway and actually giving it meaning. So, um, yeah, I I felt like we were just super, super positive today, but I really was a great episode. Yeah, I really don't have many negative things to take. I, I do need Jr. to start calling, stop calling women Jezebels. Like that's just uh, such an old man saying, and I always get it like my skin crawls a little bit. He's called Penelope before that, tw- that each week the last two weeks. Well, At least he didn't and... call her too
1: cold Scorpio.
0: <laughs> but then also, did like, you hear him? Like I just noticed she has blue eyes. Like we not have you never looked her in the face before? Like the yeah. hell are you doing? and also um, (laughs) you can say your thing i think
1: it was um i think it was either on cheap heat or the masked man show i think it was cheap heat um i think it was rosenberg who suggested that jr should not be on commentary for the entire show he should come out for the main event and that the rest of the show should be excalibur and tony Schiavone, or excalibur and taz um because that idea That way, he could really study up, prepare, be ready for that one match or that one segment that's closing the show. It would also differentiate and make that segment feel more important because he does bring a certain gravitas. But I think just being out there for the entire show, it's a struggle. I mean, he said for a long time on his podcast, he, he said that that line, I think it's a garth brooks line that i'm not as good as i once was but i'm as good once as i ever was well (laughs) being as good once is not once every week like yeah it's a struggle so you know
0: they did that in the other company for a while they brought him back for like wrestlemania made events like he did undertaker's last match when we were in orlando you know they brought him out for that so well you know
1: wcw um, used to do a different commentary team for the second hour of the show so they would they would flip over and i, I think that providing those different voices throughout the course of the program is a nice thing It's could be a good break so i totally agree i want to give credit properly i'm pretty sure it was peter rosenberg who suggested that um but yeah i, mean, I know, think that's, that's a great sense. idea
0: also, can we set an over under for every episode? How many times Excalibur is going to screen Tope Suicida? And like, he always says it that way, and it always makes me smile because, like, this is just a side effect of doing this show. I am starting to learn a lot of the move names now just from <laughs> listening to Excalibur. I don't know if they're the actual word and the name for it, but I'm just following what he says. And It's just every time Tape Suicida comes up, I start to, like, I just laugh because he just, he screams it. There's so much, like, oomph behind it. Tope Suicida! That's just great.
1: I think my favorite Excalibur call is, got to give the people what they want! (laughs) I pop for that every time.
0: Uh, Excalibur is good, man. He's, he's really, I didn't know anything about him before uh, AEW, so. He was a PWG. Uh, I don't think I've ever watched a PWG show. I think yeah, he did I've seen their clips. commentary. Oh, okay, cool, cool. And of well, course, he was a
1: wrestler before that.
0: Well, I just, I, yeah, I just, yeah, I assumed with the, uh, the, um, the mask. Uh, so on that note, I think that's everything for this week.
1: Okay, so I can't let you get away without my random observation of the week. Uh, oh so, God, I forgot. Yeah, yeah. So, so Jake Hager this week was wearing black slacks. And a blue polo, and as a result, looked like the world's largest Best Buy employee. Oh, Jesus Christ. I mean, seriously.
0: All right, yeah. Yeah, I did just. To... Something
1: for this guy to wear to make him look threatening. Um, also, I want to throw out there that they've been referring to him as the Big Hurt. Um, the Big Hurt is Frank <laughs> Thomas, who is best known nowadays for hawking eugenics. So, you know, maybe Jake Hager's free testosterone levels are down, and, and that's why he uh, isn't doing a whole lot of talking on the show or, or wrestling. He's got to get himself back in shape like Frank Thomas. But, uh, yeah, <laughs> not a fan of his look. He just looks like a jabroni week well, after week after week.
0: This is good. We need some content for the social media, so get your, your better better half to Photoshop a Best Buy tag on his shirt. <laughs> And we'll post that on the Instagram. Speaking <laughs> of which, you can find us at Twitter at OWS underscore pod, on Facebook at The Other Wrestling Show, at Instagram at The Other Wrestling Show. And if you want to email us and just mess with us, you can email us at The Other Wrestling Show at gmail.com. And I am so mad that the only one that isn't The Other Wrestling Show is Twitter. Not enough characters. Everything else is perfect. we got everything, which never happens. <laughs> no one else has thought of this. We are so unique and special that no <laughs> one else has this stuff and fucking Twitter has a like twelve character limit, so it's gotta be the o w s underscore pod. But follow us we'll be engaging with you guys. uh I'm gonna be doing a little more live tweeting throughout the shows as we go forward um and Joel, any other final comments before we uh Go the hell to sleep.
1: (laughs) Hey, if you like the show, support the show. Uh, Throw us a rating and a review if you can. It'd be super great. And uh, the best thing that you can do for us right now, if you like what you're hearing, is to tell another wrestling fan in your life about this show. Uh, We're new at this. We're getting started. So all the support is good and positive. And uh, we will be getting better as we go. You know, this is probably the sixth or seventh time we've ever recorded. So... Uh, apologies for the bumps in the road and know that we will be getting better as we progress
0: but we'll see you guys here next week and uh yeah peace out guys happy wrestling peace